0: Good evening everybody this is rich duncan with ink heist and tonight i'm excited to welcome Mackenzie kira to the show author of all you need is love and a strong electric current um and another her most recent story a total super miracle on 34th street which was in um hall dark and she's also co-host of ladies of the fright podcast with lisa quigley welcome to the show Mackenzie, and how are you doing tonight
1: Hi, thanks so much for having me. Um, and I am uh, I'm doing as well as you can, you know, in a in a the very the end of the pandemic.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I hear you there. It's been so weird, you know, lately. Um, but that's kind of why it's been nice having some of these conversations. And I'm sure you probably feel the same way with uh, what you guys do with Ladies of the Fright, and that, you know, you can still kind of, uh, you know, talk to other people and stuff via Skype and things like that.
1: Hey, Rich, I'm so sorry, or I'm sorry, is it Rick or Rich? Rich. Rich, I'm so sorry, give me one moment to figure out how I can mute you, because I just tried to mute you when my dog barked, and it said it was still picking it up on the microphone, so can we just do a really quick sound check?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay, cool, all right, I'm going to try muting you, like, two different places, okay? Okay. Okay, excellent, yay, that worked.
0: Okay. Okay, yeah, cool. No all right.
1: Ooh, sorry, I'm just making sure. Because, yeah, it popped up and it was like, it was telling me it was still going. And my dogs bark like all the fucking time. So, I just <laughs> need to ask, like, let's just spare you guys the editing, like, nightmare that that would be. Anyway, oh, I'm so yeah. sorry. Good no to No go. worries.
0: No worries. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's, uh, I, I totally hear what you're saying about things kind of being weird. But, um, you know, like, this has definitely helped keep me sane and I'm sure... You know, during doing your show has probably helped a little with that because you're still kind of talking to people and stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it has been. Um, really, really nice to still have something that hasn't changed. And at the very beginning of the pandemic, I was actually really grateful for work because I already worked from home. Um, I work for uh, Western Governors University, and that is like a completely online university. We have, I think it's like upwards of 100,000 students. And so it worked out great because I was still busy. Um, Everything had already been online, so we kind of just continued business as usual, uh, so, you know, that yeah. combined with the podcast was like, OK, there are a couple of things that, you know, haven't changed in my privileged first class world, you know? <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and two you know, I kind of got off my own script. Uh, normally, um, I think we did this to Lisa, too, but I forget how we phrased it to her. Um, we like to have first time guests kind of give a uh, a new kid at school speech, so to speak, just a little bit about yourself. Um, work and any other kind of interesting things you want listeners to know
1: oh man um (laughs) hi I'm Mackenzie Kira (laughs) um I uh um I a a fun fact is I decided to use my middle name because I still don't exactly know where my last name is going to end up when I first got married um I wanted to take my husband's name as you do but um a, I'm very hardcore feminist and just couldn't get over the hump of like, but it's my name. Um, and then, and then also, my grandfather had passed away recently, and I was very attached to my last name. And so I was like, oh, maybe not yet. Um, and so, you know, now we have a child, and he has both of our last names, and I'm feeling like it's kind of late in the game to figure out what my last name is going to be. So that's how I became <laughs> just Mackenzie Kira, I think I'm sticking with it. It's, it's going to be uh, that I think that's what I'm going to do, although. Although Although I was kicking around the idea of if I stay writing um any kind of horror erotica, because you know, my thesis um was actually um young adult. Um I actually wrote this like huge, giant, world-building Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones thing that was geared towards YA in graduate school. Um and uh, I only recently kind of was like, oh, fuck it. I think that I'll write slashers with a lot of gore and sex. <laughs> um, and so um, And so I've been thinking, you know, maybe if I stick with that, uh, that'll be Dr. Cox. You know, that's what it'll be because that's mm-hmm. my actual last name. And so I've been I've been considering that because it's just too perfect. You know, it's like, well, if I keep on writing weird shit and my, my last name is already Cox. Well, <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry. I don't know if that's the kind of background new new uh new to the school talk you wanted, but
0: uh, but yeah. <laughs> oh no, no, that's perfect. It's usually um, it's usually just whatever the guest wants and whatever they're uh, comfortable with. But you know, it was perfect too because um, you know, the way that I know you is from listening to uh, Ladies of the Fright, so I kind of knew a little bit about um your writing journey as far as like you met Lisa at your guys' uh, MFA program and stuff like that. But yes. I don't know why, but I always kind of assumed that like it was always horror and that like your thesis was probably harder. So I I think it's really interesting that your thesis was actually kind of like a young adult fantasy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it definitely was that. Um it I love I, I love it still to this day, but I think I'm the only one. Um <laughs> so you know, I've drawered it since and it was oh, it was so long, man. It was enormous. And you know, I tried cutting it. I tried a million different things. I definitely tried selling it and it just nothing seemed to work. And so, you know, I'm happily sitting on it and one day I'll revive it and figure out exactly how I'm gonna manage it. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, I uh I was introduced to Game of Thrones during my MFA class, um, or excuse me, during my MFA program, um, because Stephen Graham Jones noticed that I was reading like really big, thick books and he was like, well, you'll probably like George R.R. R. Martin. And I like read through those so quick. I just became completely in love with the books. And, um, we were actually debating, he and I, we were figuring out if my thesis needed to be on portals and you know y a fantasy or if it was going to be on george r, r. martin like i I was so enamored i it was going to be like my reason for going to school <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Um, horror didn't like. I, horror has always been there. Horror has always been in the background for sure. But I don't think I really understood its full scope um, until until towards the end of graduate school. Um, I think I kind of figured it was because I was reading Stephen King, like everybody. Um, but uh, and Robert McCammon. Everyone forgets. Everyone forgets him, man. But Swan Song is my goddamn favorite yeah. book. And so I was reading those guys. I was reading Anne Rice. And it just never clicked. I it was never like, oh, I'm a horror person. It's like, no, no, I'm a I'm a science fiction and fantasy person. But it, it the crowd, like that crowd never fit. I fit with the horror crowd. And then the deeper I got into horror, I was like, oh, oops, like this is like <laughs> this is my home. You know, like I've studied all the other stuff, and I feel like that at least makes me a broad reader. But uh, mm-hmm. I I am much much happier here. This is a good place.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that and that's pretty interesting because, like you said, um, like we've had multiple guests on, you know, from a variety of you know backgrounds. Some that have done an MFA, some that haven't, and like it's just interesting to kind of get all those perspectives. So it kind of sounds like, and you know, obviously there's a lot more to it than that, but kind of like. T- being in that program like you knew you wanted to write, but it kinda seemed like maybe taking all those different classes and you being exposed to a bunch of things maybe helped you kind of find where you wanted to go. I don't know if that's accurate to uh, you know, how your experiences were were. But that's kind of what it seemed like. Um yeah. or would seem like.
1: Yeah, you know, um, Lisa and I kind of took the plunge together. And I think that that's really what, um, you know, really what solidified the whole MacLisa bind um, Mm -hmm. is that neither of us were as deep in horror as we could have been. And so both of us started to kind of realize at the same time that we liked the same books that were being assigned to us. And we were enthralled with them for the same exact reasons. And so that is kind of when it was like, oh, man. Like this is this is us here. I'm so, I'm so mm-hmm. sorry, Rich. Hang on, just one second, okay? Yeah, no problem. Rich, I'm so sorry about that. We're we're managing a toddler in a small house.
0: Oh yeah, no no worries, no worries at all. Um, I totally understand. Like I said, I have a little one myself, so absolutely no worries.
1: Oh, thank um, you. I. I appreciate the understanding. We're we're all set now.
0: <laughs> okay, no worries. Um
1: he, he, he might make a cameo, but yeah, we're good.
0: <laughs> oh, that's okay. Um so yeah, that you know that's that's kind of cool um you know having someone, you know like you and Lisa had found each other and you kind of have that you know bond to share with somebody because I'm not sure quite how your guys experiences were. Um, and I, I didn't take very many writing classes, but, um, I was a journalism major in college and we had to pick like a writing elective. So I did a creative nonfiction and, you know, the first, like your one-on-one level, it wasn't too bad. You kind of just turned things into the teacher. But then after that, I had to take one with a workshop and I don't know how the experience was for you guys. Um, which I'm assuming the first time might have been similar, but I never got used to it. It was so terrifying (laughs) for me to, you know, like have someone read it. And I don't know how they, um, you know, handled workshops in your guys' program, but, like, for us, you know, they would hand out a copy of everyone's story, and you'd be sitting in a big circle, so, like, everyone's reading it and, like, giving feedback, and, you know, it wasn't, nobody was nasty, but that was the first time, like, I've had to, like, face someone telling me something about something I've written, Um, so I was wondering, you know, what was that like for you guys, and, you know, I'm assuming it helped, um, you know, your writing growth, but um, you know, what was it like? Maybe those first couple times, and how did that process? Do you think how did that impact your writing?
1: Oh man, um, well the uh, we went to a low residency program, and so we'd already been working with the professors for um, a couple of months, and then we would go to residency for you know ten days that were super super fun, but they were also um, very uh they're also very demanding. Um, we had to go to a certain number of classes. We had to sit and, you know, we had, um, we would have that, oh, excuse me. I just completely blanked on the word. Um, we would have those classes, um, that round robin style class, and we would do that for four hours straight. Um, and so, you know, we'd have breaks and stuff, but yeah, it was like, okay, well, you're busy from, you know, you're busy from, I think it was like 1230 to, you know, 430, 530. Um, my math. Yeah. 1230, 430. Um, and so, yeah, it was, um, yeah, you definitely needed to bring something to the table, like caffeine for sure. Um, that's kind of how you got through it. My, the first couple of workshops that I went to were really crushing, um, because I didn't quite know exactly what was, what graduate school was going to ask out of me. Um, and you know, I just gone to, you know, a little stay school, um, before. And so I was really, really not ready for a UC. I was really not ready for, um, exactly what was required of me. And that showed my first workshop, but I, was able to catch up. And I'm actually really like grateful too, in a strange way that I was very unprepared um, because it made my bonds with some people really strong because, you know, they they went and they had great workshops and then they had to, you know, comfort me. through really horrible ones. Um, And so I don't know. I kind of learned to get a thick skin super, super early. It was kind of right out of the gate that that needed to happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, like I said, my experience, it was very minimal. Like, uh, like you had said, you guys were doing it like for four hours. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even imagine, you know, I'm already a bundle of nerves. Um, and I, I don't know, like, you know, say you were like the last person getting critique, like that would, you know, kill me having to wait all that time. Or even if I was first, you know, it might be rough for me. And then I'd have to like, you know, I'd still be there for a while. <laughs> mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I, I could see, I could see how that could, uh, you know, could be potentially, you know, very stressful, but also like you said, beneficial because like, um, you know, when you're, especially like if you're sending things out there and, you know, say, you know, you get a rejection or something, you know, it's always going to be tough, but maybe it's a little bit easier to deal with.
1: <laughs> Abs- oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it, um, it really made it so that my my professors were very encouraging um, and mm-hmm. that helped too. you know I didn't have a single professor that was like, you should probably just stop paying for school. Um, you know, all of yeah. my professors were wonderful and saying, you need to do this and this and this you know and particularly Stephen and uh, Stephen Graham Jones and he was mm-hmm. you know he was just instrumental and so you know when I when I graduated, you know it was sort of like a moment of, oh my god, like I I got, I got through it. <laughs> I got, I got through yeah. all of that really intense learning. So yeah, it was a, it was a journey for sure. Yeah.
0: And um, you know, speaking of Stephen Graham Jones, um, like I know um, you and Lisa both talked a bit about, you know, how influential he was for you guys, but especially since you had said like you always kind of liked Tar and stuff. Um, but then you started gravitating towards it more to the end, you know, what was it like kind of, you know, being able to learn from Steven because, you know, he's put out so many great books. Um, but yeah, just kind of, what was it like, like, you know, we've had him on the show and just hearing him talk for like, I think he was on for like an hour or so. Like, it was like the coolest thing ever. And I learned so much. So I was just curious, you know, what was it like learning from him kind of like in a classroom setting?
1: Oh man. Um, it was, uh, it was different. Um, my first class with him, he had, um, he had one of our friends who, or excuse me, it was one of our, one of our classmates. Um, now he's a friend and he brought a, one of the bugs from a science lab he worked, he brought a cockroach in. And (laughs) so, you know, I sat down for my first workshop in graduate school and, um, Steven's to my right. And then my friend is on my left. And as Steven looks at my friend, he goes, OK, you ready? And my friend's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then there's just a cockroach like in a glass jar on the <laughs> on the table. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking over at Lisa and I'm like, well, this just got weird. Um, and so for the first part of that uh, workshop, we actually we were taking pictures for Steven because he wanted a new author picture. And so we're taking pictures for Steven. And my friend is trying to balance this cockroach on Steven's tongue. <laughs> So that's what it's like to learn from Steven. No, I mean, I I need to give him more credit, honestly, because I actually went into graduate school with a really horrible learning disability, and I kept it to myself because I thought that this learning disability was only around math. Um, It's not. It's with anything that I need to learn. It's just worse with math. Um, And so I think that at some point, as Steven figured it out, Um, And he he started to teach me just a little bit differently, like um, with I noticed that um, he would start to he'd start to give me his short stories and I would start to comment on those and then he'd give me his draft back and I'd see what he changed. And that's how I learned to write. I kind of learned how to write opposite that other people write, you know, so I went in just mm-hmm. really, really horrible. Um, and I went in just not quite understanding exactly how I was supposed to craft a narrative because my, my background was actually completely in playwriting. Um, and so I didn't know how to do really anything. <laughs> so
0: that, you know, that's that's pretty cool, though, that, um, you know, he took that time like you know, to get to know you and, you know, like you said, he kind of taught you a little bit differently in a way that would help you. You know, that's really cool because, you know, teachers are great, but, you know, sometimes they miss things or, you know, the class is just too big or whatever. Um, so that's cool that he was able, you know, to do that. And, you know, that it helped you in that way. And, you know, especially like with the narrative thing, like I didn't even know that you um, had a background in playwriting. Like I always had just assumed kind of like I assumed with the horror thing yeah, um, that, you know, it was always more of like narrative fiction, you know, like uh, novels and things like that.
1: No, I had no idea. I know. I mean, I was always an avid reader. I always outread everybody, but um, and I wanted to, you know, it's like I worked in a bookstore and I remember, you know, the boss being like, if you have time to lean, you have time to clean. So I'd take like a rag out <laughs> into like the middle of the bookstore and I would just like grab whatever book was there. And I that's actually how I read um, American Psycho is in little bursts while I was working at the bookstore, like up on a ladder and letting my boss think that I was out there cleaning, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. um, that's so cool. Yeah, so, you know, it's, uh, no, I it was completely in playwriting. Um, I won a couple awards at my school, at my undergrad, and uh, I have no idea. It's just, you know, the gods decided why, you know, I was let into the program and then put into fiction, no less. I kind of was looking at this, like, really? I'm, I'm in fiction? Like, okay, I think I've written a short story <laughs> once, maybe? Like, you know, and I dabbled, like, as a kid, when I got too old to imagine things anymore, you know, just kind of when that, like, turns off. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, when imagination turns off, I did go to the keyboard and I did write, but I I still didn't really consider myself like, like that this was something I was going to do. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure if I really went into the graduate program thinking, okay, I'm going to write books. I think I went in figuring, okay, I'm going to learn how to do more. And then I Mm -hmm. came out knowing how to write books. So they, they transformed me. It's, it's really, you know, they did a wonderful job
0: yeah that that's so awesome and you know one thing i found fascinating was because i've talked to uh shane about this a lot um it's kind of how you said like and you know obviously it still kind of goes but it's it's different like when you had said you know like the difference in your imagination like as a kid as opposed to when you um you know, get older. And like, I don't know what it is, but I've always been fascinated by that because I was like that, you know, when I was little, I would write story after story, like whether it be a serialized superhero comic book, or like one Mm -hmm. time I wrote like a 12 page Christmas story or something like that. Um, But then, you know, as I got older, you know, I stopped doing it as much. And now, you know, that I'm kind of, getting back into it again it's it's hard (laughs) like it seems like i don't know like maybe when you're younger like maybe you just have that imagination but also like less of a like i i don't know the right word because it's not really a filter but maybe like less of a filter like i didn't really think about anything back then i just kind of i've always found that interesting like if other people felt that way because i told shane i'm like man if i could just have some of that back from like when i was a kid
1: oh yeah yeah, I mean, my teachers in grade school used to say, you know, they'd be like, okay, well, we're going to do a story assignment. And then they'd look at me, like, super pointedly and they'd say, Mackenzie, you can't write a novel. <laughs> <laughs> like, And I remember that as young as, like, maybe third grade. Like, my teacher's telling me, Mackenzie, mm-hmm. you can't write a novel. This is a short, this is a story. And I'd think, like, I'll, I can get away with three pages. I can probably get away with five pages, you know? It's like, and... So it was Mm -hmm. always it's crazy that it was always there, like uh, just kind of like building off of what you were saying. It is, especially when you're a kid. I think that that is it's just so innate. And I do wish that we could carry a little part of that into adulthood. And I I feel like that's what us creators have kind of done. It's like we've smuggled some Mm -hmm. part of childhood with us and we're like, we don't really want to give up the imagination. So it's here. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good way of uh, of looking at it. And um, I'm sorry to switch gears so rapidly, but um, kind of going off of your playwright thing, you know, I was reading your um, novella, All You Need is Loving a Strong Electric Current, um, which came out as part of the Rewind or Die series. Um, and one thing that I really, well, there's a lot of things I loved about it, but... Um, which is kind of the originality of the voice you decided to use like for the character Sadie Snow throughout, but it also like it moved very fast. Like I think I read it in like one day um, Thank and it you. just, yeah. And it seemed, you know, very vivid in my mind. And I was just curious, you know, now when you're writing fiction, does any of kind of your experience as a playwright, do you use anything, you know, from that sort of, whether it be an approach or a technique in your longer fiction, because, well, like I said, this novella, it was very vivid to me. And, you know, now that I know that you had a background in like playwriting, you know, it makes a lot of sense. Um, for me, I don't know if it was like a conscious thing for you, but, you know, that it was just very kind of like visual.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate mm-hmm. that. Um, the, one of the things that I did drag along with me, um, kicking and screaming was dialogue. Um, I've always felt super comfortable with dialogue. Um, and the, uh, the playwriting that I focused on were, um, 10 minute plays. And so, you know, every year I'd either act, compete or, um, or write, I, I guess the whole thing is competing, but I'd either write or I'd be acting for it. I was always involved with the 10 minute play festival. Um, and so that I learned, very quickly, like exactly how much you could put into a couple of phrases, into a couple of sentences, how much you could jam in there because you only had 10 minutes. And so you had to use the set around you. And I think that it's also the reason why I just I despise and I, I put it in the novella, I despise <laughs> when people are just sitting in their car and thinking because those are the things that we are actually supposed to really again, because they're you're supposed to avoid that. you know, in playwriting, it's like you're given a certain space nothing is more boring for the audience than a person fucking sitting there and thinking like it is horrible. And so I don't write it. I won't like, it's like, no, like pretend like it's, it's an audience, you know, you have a reader, but there's still your audience. You still have to mesmerize. You still have to be the greatest showman to a certain degree. Um, and so I, uh, I, I think that in fiction, there are times when you need to be in the character's head, but they have to still be doing something, um, and Martin actually is great at this. George R. R. Martin is fast. It's one of the things that I studied from him, from his books, was noticing that if his characters started to go internal, they were still doing something externally, and that's something mm-hmm. that keeps the books moving along. That's something that keeps the show moving along. And so I I've, I noticed that, and I feel like that's kind of connected to the playwriting background.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. And, you know, I loved the way that you handled that. And then, like, a couple of those other, like, things that, like, as a reader, sometimes you don't really notice it. But then, like, when I saw, like, kind of how you described it, I was like, oh, yeah, sometimes that, you know, like, why do they put that much of it in there? Like, I think another thing was, like, kind of like the transition scenes with, like, the driving and then mm-hmm. I think Sadie was like, you don't really need to hear about, you know, how my trip was to like. Exactly. <laughs> and like, um, you know, it's interesting that you said that, too, because one of the things I noticed kind of with both this and then the, um, the story that you wrote for Hall Dark and that I also really enjoyed is it's not quite like breaking the fourth wall, but like when you're kind of. Like in their head, it's almost like they're kind of talking to the reader and like some of the humor and, you know, just the dialogue that you gave them. It's really engaging without it being like, okay, this character's, you know, just thinking to themselves or whatever. It keeps like the reader engaged and also like the humor, I feel like kind of helps keep that from feeling like, okay, this is a scene where they're, you know, just thinking or what have you.
1: Thank you. Um, I I decided to bring the audience in um, as another as another character to play off of, because I tried writing in first person and I felt like I sucked. And I tried writing in third person and I didn't feel like that was intimate enough. And I think that I just got fed up. And I just started talking directly to the audience like and then Mm -hmm. it stuck. It just it just fit because originally this was a short story that um, was supposed to be flash fiction. And so it was just the beginning and then just the end. Um, And they were just smushed together and they had way less words. Um, And so it uh, I I needed something else because it didn't have all that story. And so I, I felt like bringing the audience in as a character was a way to was a sneaky way to do that. (laughs)
0: yeah yeah and it it totally it totally worked for me and that that, you know you kind of answered that but that was one thing i was curious about because um like i had read this and then the hall dark story but i know that you have other short stories and i wasn't sure if that was you know something that you try and do a lot like bring like bring the audience directly in kind of like how you did with those pieces or if it was just like a coincidence that i had read that and that and then it um, happened to do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if it's something, I think that it's something that I might want to stick with for certain stories. I really do mm-hmm. enjoy writing in second person. Um, but I, I, for this, for this next novella that I'm writing, I think that I'm going to be speaking directly to somebody. Um, And that's a surprise. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, That sounds cool. And, you know, like, It's kind of funny because, you know, and, you know, maybe it is like hard. I've never tried it, um, but it seems kind of natural for you kind of using that second person narrative. But I feel like it works really well. But a lot of writers say that it's like one of the hardest. Um, And, you know, everyone's different. But at least for you, would you say that, you know, it's hard or does it come a lot more natural for you?
1: Oh, it it came super naturally for me, actually, um, and I think maybe because writing is so lonely um, that I mm-hmm. I just wanted to somehow have somebody else there, and that somebody else became you know whoever would like to read my little book. Um, so no, it uh it was a it was a happy accident, and I think too that I'd been stuck in the idea for so long that second person was for like brochures because I remember that's how it was described Mm -hmm. to me at first like in you know in elementary school like way back when it's like no there's first person and third person I remember saying well what's second person and they said second person is when you say you you know like you will love to travel to the waterfall and I remember thinking well that's (laughs) boring I guess I'll never write in second person (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah, that's exactly how we were taught it too
1: (laughs) oh was it really
0: yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. And like for the longest time, like I'm not ashamed to admit it, like up until very, very recently, um, like that's all I kind of ever thought about second person was like, okay, you use it for informational things only or like mm-hmm. advertisements, <laughs> you know, never, never fiction. Like I, I hadn't even realized that that was something you could do really until very recently because, you know, I've, been involved with like reviewing horror and like indie horror for I don't know since like it's been like maybe six years maybe even longer than that but prior to that I was pretty much just exposed to you know whatever was at the local bookstore so a lot of that is you know either third or first so I wasn't even aware that and a anybody was doing it or b that it could be done
1: right right oh, well i uh, I really appreciate it thank you I'm glad that that um, mm-hmm. I'm glad that you feel like it worked especially since you've been reviewing for so long you know your uh your opinion weighs a lot thank you
0: oh yeah anytime i I loved it so much and you know I gotta say um like I was excited to read it I think well before it even came out I think because I forget when their episode was but I remember hearing um, You read, I believe it's kind of like, it's not technically the first chapter, but it's the first um, section. Yeah. Uh, reading it on uh, the live, I think it was for This Is Horror when they were doing the release of Their Watching, but I could be wrong on that. Um, But I remember your reading and I was just so blown away by it. I was like, I have to read this book. (laughs) And uh, the things that Michael and Bob had said about it, you know, they had said, you know, it's funny, it's gory and all that stuff. And it definitely is all of those things. um, And that's a big reason of why I liked it. But another thing that I found fascinating was, you know, without spoiling it for the things that Sadie does in the book and kind of just the whole premise um, you go into it expecting one thing, you know, like maybe some of the comedy and or some of the warrior stuff, but there's a couple scenes throughout it where I was surprised at, um, you know, like I didn't like get choked up or anything, but it was just very emotional, like certain scenes of the book. Like it didn't really, it's definitely a horror book, but that there's like a particular scene involving Michael and Sadie. Um, where when I read it, I didn't see it coming because a lot of it at that point was kind of lighthearted and humorous and kind of, you know, had a lot of the horror stuff in it. But that particular scene, like it really stuck with me because it was very, I don't know the right word for it. Like, obviously it was emotional because of what happens, but <laughs> it definitely was like its own thing. And I didn't see that coming, but it was so cool. And it, I feel like that's why it had such like a lasting impression on me
1: oh thank you thank you i really appreciate that are you uh, are you mm-hmm. talking about are you talking about toward the end or um
0: well that and then also kind of uh some of the backstory on you know kind of ha- what happened to make oh. sadie go down the road she went down
1: got it okay i was just curious i'm sorry
0: <laughs> <laughs> no it's, o- it's okay because it's so hard because like i you know obviously what happens with sadie and michael like in the beginning it's kind of revealed but I didn't want to like tip the scene so it's always hard for me to be like well how much do I say without ruining (laughs) this for the writer
1: oh thank you thank you Mm um I mean I you know I'm on our on our show I always say that um I don't believe in spoilers but I feel like I'm in a slightly different seat
0: yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah.
1: what if my readers care about spoilers (laughs) so I need to be nicer um so no I, I I appreciate all of that thank you so much
0: Yeah, and I was just curious because I think another reason why it stood out to me is like you know I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the show I've certainly mentioned it on the website but I've always been interested in straightforward rom coms but also like kind of like those weird indie like movies that kind of have an element of romance to them like uh and like a horror one like Spring um. And I don't know if you ever saw the Ryan Gosling movie, like Lars and the Real Girl, like stuff like that, where there's like an element of romance, but it's not, you know, just romance on its own. Like it's got some kind of either weird or horror, you know, interesting element. And I was just curious if you were like into things like that and that's kind of like maybe inspired this story or if there was something else that inspired it.
1: Oh, it's so interesting that you say that. Because um, right now I'm actually working on on like a on like a rom com meets like prom night. Um, so I I've always kind of felt like there was a horror to rom coms, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it, because it's like okay, it's you know it's it's Disney but for adults to a certain degree, mm-hmm. right? And, and I love them dearly. I think one of my favorite rom-coms is Just Friends, and it's hysterical. Yeah. I love that one so much. Um, and But there's serious horror elements, like, in even rom-coms. And so I really do want to, like, bring those out a little bit because – I don't know. It's uh, it's definitely the feminist bone in me, man, that just gets so fucking yeah. pissed off about this shit. It's like, no, like my life was not like I'm not here to meet a man and live happily ever after. Thanks very much. I mean, it's like it's <laughs> yeah. nice if that happens, too. But that's not my purpose. You know, my story doesn't end when that happens. So it's uh, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where the horror takes over for me, because it's like, well, you still want that. It's like, can we have both?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, that's kind of like the super, super cheesy ones that kind of follow that formulaic thing where it's like, that's the expected outcome. Like you said, those ones don't really appeal to me, but like some of those weirder ones, um, like like i think uh even like life after beth like that's one that's kind of like that where it's not necessarily following that path but right. it kind of has like elements of everything but also the book that you're writing that sounds awesome i'll definitely uh be buying that when it comes out that sounds right up my alley <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you i'm so sorry my uh yeah. my to- my toddler is here for just one for just one minute
0: oh yeah no Hi. worries
1: <laughs> Hi. Hi, did you, did you find your way in? <laughs> Is daddy on? He keeps on checking the door to see if his dad's going to find him. Is daddy on the phone? Yeah. On Is daddy on the phone? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, okay, it's okay, Rich. I, I hear him on his way.
0: No, oh, no worries. No worries.
1: Hey. <laughs> <laughs> he found his way in. He was talking to Rich for a minute. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry, we're wrangling him right now, Rich. Oh, no, no, it's
0: totally fine. Um, you know, it's, it's just kind of, it makes me laugh only because, um, like, I have a young daughter. Right. And one time I was talking to uh, Todd Keesling and Brian Kirk. Um, now that it's already out, I can imagine it. Like, we were talking about kind of like the promotional thing that he did for uh, Will Haunt You. And I was doing a video chat with them. And I had my daughter, and like they started laughing, and I was like, "Are they laughing at like my ideas? Like, what, what's happening?" <laughs> and then I, like, I look in the camera, and I see my daughter. She's like playing peekaboo with them, like oh, behind.
1: Oh, <laughs> precious. That's precious I was gonna ask <laughs> yeah. if you had a I was gonna ask if you had a son or a daughter that's so cool
0: yeah yeah I have a little girl and she loves uh she loves all she's starting to love like um same sort of stuff that I do like I didn't force it on her but she makes me uh, read in a dark dark room to her just about every night
1: oh <laughs> four is so, four yeah. is so cool four is such a great age
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's uh going kind of too fast for me though. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Oh no, it's okay. <laughs> um, but one thing too I wanted to ask you um about the novella is like when I read the end kind of like the um like the epilogue or acknowledgments, um you mentioned uh George Carlin's influence. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: and I I just wanted to like was that something that happened early on? And um kind of um how were you experienced, like, or when was the first time you experienced his work and, like, that, like, maybe it kind of stuck with you to include in this book?
1: Oh, my God. Oh, thank you so much for seeing that. Um, mm-hmm. Young, 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 young. I watched George Carlin pretty, pretty early. Yeah. Um, my parents always had, um, always had comedy on. They didn't really censor. Mm-hmm comedy much I, I remember watching the daily show with them um probably probably when I was in high school I caught it and was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And they watched South Park. And so, you know, I watched <laughs> South Park pretty early. Um, not mm-hmm. like not super crazy early that made me like a weird kid at school. I was already a weird kid. I didn't need any help. Um <laughs> so I can yeah, relate. <laughs> and so, you know, it's um I think my first monster movie that I fell in love with was Tremors, and I saw that at maybe like eleven. And mm-hmm. so and my parents always um, you know, they they used to say the phrase, you know, broke into the wrong goddamn wreck room didn't you you bastard. That like <laughs> was a thing that was commonly said in my house like and I don't ever remember it, there being a time when it wasn't okay. and and so yeah, George Carlin was I, I, I don't remember, but um, mm-hmm. I I remember watching that stand up. I remember watching the particular stand up where he t- says every single word that you are, you know, not allowed to say on tv and then follow it up with all of the words that you can say and you know the joke there is that they all mean the exact same thing words mean nothing to a certain degree right um Mm -hmm. and so i i looked up i don't oh god i don't remember if i had the george carlin words um but i don't remember if someone else wrote them up for me if i stole them because maybe i stole them um or if i watched it and then transcribed um because I, I was I was getting tired of just saying dick pussy. <laughs> like it
0: yeah. was
1: it was getting really like and that also wasn't Sadie. You know, I'm like, God, she needs something different. She needs something wacky. She needs and then the light bulb in my head went off. It was like she needs some George Carlin.
0: That, yeah, that's that, that's so awesome. Um and you know, it kind of makes sense. Like it's I always find it interesting, like when I you know talk to our guests and kind of hear them talk about certain things but um like when you said that you were kind of exposed to comedy early on um and like that was there's a lot of funny elements both in this and then the other story that i read in hall dark um so it's just kind of interesting to see like how that kind of stuck with you and kind of like worked its way um into your work so um since you have other stories out there um i was just curious you know is kind of like a humorous element something that you always bring to um your stories or are there somewhere it's more you know strictly kind of straightforward
1: um oh man you know i wrote there is one story that i just wrote for um for a contest and that has zero humor in it um that's just straight dark that's just straight Mm -hmm. horror um and it kind of felt good to do that actually um you know it's like because it's sometimes I wonder if comedians run into this where it's like sometimes it's really hard to be funny (laughs) you know you're like wow I'm writing this and there's just nothing to it and I'm not laughing which normally means I just need to like go through it again and figure out like what other elements I can bring to the table but no what I recently wrote was just straight dark horror um and then before that when I was writing um you know when I was writing the you know, gigantic fantasy sci-fi um, novel thing, the monolith that it became um, for my mm-hmm. thesis, I had a couple of characters who were my um, who were my comedians, who were, who were my comedic break. And I actually felt really connected to them much more than I did like the characters who were a little more serious. And so I, I yeah. think that everybody kind of ended up having a little bit um, of at least some dark humor to them just because I couldn't keep all of me in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's, it's kind of interesting how you said like, um, you know, that this was like maybe one of the first ones you had done in a while where there was no comedy. Um, and it was kind of more just straightforward. You know, what was that experience like? I know you said it was kind of good to be able to explore something else. Um, but did you find it any harder, you know, maybe taking something that was so familiar um, to you and your work before and kind of just taking that out of the equation? Or was it just something that was just interesting to you and it wasn't, you know, necessarily any harder than um, uh, anything else?
1: Um, it was it was really nice um, to just have it be one thing and to not worry um, about it being like anything else. Um, and it's very therapeutic because I don't know about anyone else, but during the pandemic, I have had to start therapy just to deal with like my own emotions. You know, there's nothing mm-hmm. truly horrible happening in my life right now. It's just, this is a lot for anybody. Um, and yeah. so it's like, okay. And so to it was very therapeutic to actually write something that was, that was just dark. I didn't have to be a certain way. It could just be like, you know, I, I could just be, I could have dark thoughts, I could have the darkness and that it's okay. Um, And I feel Mm -hmm. like my tendency is to kind of laugh at that. Um, My tendency is to kind of always say, Oh, my God, it's so dark. It's so horrible. It's so depraved. And then to laugh, like I spend most of the slashers just cracking up through them. And so (laughs) it it was kind of it was kind of nice instead to like feel the dark emotions to feel to feel bad to feel shitty.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I find that interesting because, like you said, it is a lot for everyone to deal with, Um, you know, now um, whether, you know, they've been impacted directly by it or not. You know, it still weighs on people heavily and it kind of alters the way you do things. Um, But one thing that I have found kind of interesting is that, you know it's kind of affected writers in a different way. Some are super creative now um, because they have a little bit more time. Some it's made it more difficult for them. But one thing that seems to be like a common theme is like you said, it kind of helps you explore and deal with some of those emotions. And, you know, maybe like in your case, you kind of took like a different approach to how you approach the story. But, you know, it's kind of that I've kind of gone through that myself with things that I've been working on. You know, it's just kind of is a nice outlet, like you said, to kind of explore those feelings and kind of deal with them, in a, you know, a different way that maybe, you know, pre pandemic, it may not have gone that way.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I do feel like that. Um, and I think that, you know, so much of life is just such a balancing act. And so the pandemic, Mm -hmm. I feel like has, you know, the pandemic and then, you know, before, thank God, Biden got elected um, there. Mm -hmm. I feel like there was just so much angst um, that having an outlet was necessary. You know, whatever outlet you needed, whatever it was like you needed it. And I think for a lot of us, too, the gym used to be an outlet. And so for that to also get taken away, it's like a double blow. And so, you know, I feel like a lot of it is start is coming out in writing but you know I'm not I'm not quite sure which which emotion which emotions excuse me yet mm-hmm. are uh are kind of taking precedent because yeah I mean it's all a balancing act and as you said it's like well as parents you know we don't really get to just dissolve into puddles you know <laughs> like that's not yeah. a, that's not a thing that we get to do um so so yeah I'm glad to hear that you know I'm not the uh that I'm not the only one that has been uh, going through that, I'm glad to hear that you've kind of been mm-hmm. doing something similar. Are you noticing things like that too in your writing, where it can be a little more of one emotion than another?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. Not only that, but also kind of, um, you know, like self, like self reflection, like you know, before. And granted, I'm I've just recently started it, so I don't have like a ton of finished pieces. But like when I, the first couple that I had done, you know, it was more just like purely an imagination exercise in that, you know, I was just trying to come up with a fun story that, you know, like entertained me. Um, But like, as things have gotten deeper and deeper into it, like I found myself and, you know, like I would put elements of myself in there, but nothing, you know, super serious. Whereas now, like there's a couple stories that I have started writing that you know deal with things that you know I never thought I would have tried to put out there um you know in a story um it's not like blatant and I you know people may or may not recognize it if I ever you know put it out there you know kind of what it is but um just like my own anxiety um things like that like kind of mixing that in there whereas I never would have before but now that I have all this time to kind of think about things. Like you said, it was kind of a fun way to kind of explore that and kind of like deal with it is like through writing it into a story.
1: Yes, yes. And, you know, Sadie was there when I was dealing with um, some pretty severe postpartum anxiety. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to say postpartum depression, but I was so anxious. I I felt like there was a monster, like there was something that was about to eat my child around every corner of our house. Like it was really bad. Um, and so, you know, Sadie was there. And I think that in that book particularly, I explored all of the shitty ways that of uh, like, or excuse me, all of the ways it is to be shitty, to be a woman. Um, somehow I've, I got that thought out there, right? <laughs> <laughs> It's like I was just pissed. It's like are you kidding me because you know I was um my background's also I'm sorry my dog is making a cameo for those who listen oh. to the podcast. There's Bear. <laughs> He's here with me. <laughs> um the I worked in preschool. Um, I was a teacher with kids. I I think I've worked with kids since I was 18 in some way, shape or form. I was either a camp counselor or I was teaching swimming or I was a lifeguard and watching and making sure they didn't die. Um, Or, you know, I was in the classroom and we were finger painting together. And so I've always been around kids. And so I really figured that like when I had my own, it's like, okay, you know, like I'm not super versatile with babies, but like kids I've got. And so as soon as I had my own and I was hit with all the hormones and all of the like, and I don't even want to necessarily say added responsibility, but it was more of like the continuation of like, wait a minute, like I, there's no time off. You know, it's like, because before you punch Mm -hmm. a clock and you're done, there's no more children. Um, And so even though I would still think about them and I would still worry about them, there were still no children. Uh, So you know, all of that combined into just motherhood, because, you know, it's like I I work from home so that I could be with my new baby. And, you know, my husband is really wonderful. My husband was great. He'd take the baby in the morning until he would go to work, but then he'd go to work and it would be me and the baby. And I love my child very much. But all of that kind of came crashing down together and Sadie came out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, you know, and it's... Like, it's kind of interesting, like, that that happened, you know, like, um, so just out of curiosity, so Sadie, like, she was there for that whole time, but, like, had you already kind of started working on it, and then you just found that, you know, as you, you know, as you started dealing with those things that, like, you became more, like, drawn to that character, or was she kind of, like, a result of that?
1: I feel like she was like a direct result, but she was there. Um, I came up with her maybe a year or two prior when I was writing a short story. And what's funny is that short story actually got accepted in three different places, but then subsequently turned down by all those three places. And so I got the acceptance. And then the person came back to me and said, I'm sorry, my editor said we can't take it. Or in one case, they said, my editor said we can take it, but it has to be like something kids can read. I was like. (laughs) there's anything I can do to make this child appropriate. (laughs) It's like, well, then it's going to be like four words long, man. And I don't think you're going to like those four (laughs) words. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, she was there. But, um, yeah, uh, I mean, when I was going through um, all of the postpartum stuff, that's kind of when Lisa said that she was going to write for the rewind or die. And she's like, Mm -hmm. you should, too. And I thought, oh, God damn, I don't have anything in the works right now. I'm so stressed. I have so much work to do. And I have a new baby. What the hell am I going to write? And I kind of looked through all my stuff. And I thought, OK, like, I this is, this is kind of slashery. Like, this is kind of gory. Um, this might work. Um, because, you know, I'd never said where she gets... Um, where she gets body parts from, you know, I'd only really? implied, I'd only suggested that she had them. And so I thought, you know, I'd always kind of played with the idea of where did she get those and I'd never answered that. And so I thought, okay, fine, I'll pitch this crazy ass story. And then I had to write it because he took it. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, Sadie kind of came out because I think she became more, you know, I think that she wasn't quite as she wasn't quite as pissed off, that's for sure. And she definitely wasn't as crazy because I think I needed my crazy, like the crazy that I was currently going through to kind of add to that. Um, And, you know, there was there was no censor. That was the other great thing is because before so many people had turned it down for so many reasons. It's like, well, you know, I basically, you know, for Eddie, I kind of just had to write it well and he was going to look at it. And it's like, Oh shit. Like this is more of an, it's not a complete open door. Cause there's no signed contract, but it's more of an open door than I'd gotten before. So I, I just kind of let her go mad.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you know, that that's kind of awesome that, you know, it was like, um, uh, that you were able to like channel your emotion into that, and that um, you know, it 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 kind of helped you, and also like helped the story because she definitely comes across as like a very strong character. Like the for me anyway, like you know, sometimes you might read a book and you you'd be like, you know, I like the story, but the character is kind of like eh. Like that wasn't the case. Like I loved her character, just like the humor you know, her anger, because let's face it, some of the characters in that book, um, they definitely had it coming. And, uh, you know, I just, I just thought it was, uh, I just loved her character. Um, And, you know, she kind of goes through like this uh, whole journey. And like I said, the one thing that surprised me was like, amidst kind of like all of that anger and stuff, like there's actually some like really like, heartbreaking scenes in there.
1: Thank you. I really, uh, I appreciate you saying that. Um, Yeah. Thank you. She, um, gosh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put this into words. Um, I guess the main thing that I really wanted to concentrate on with Sadie was that she wasn't, she didn't have an evil plot. You know, it's like mm-hmm. she had a good she had the same plot that everybody else. You know, she wanted to find love and be happy. Um, And yeah. I, I really wanted to have a discussion with how healthy that is, but that also how normal that is.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, And one thing um I also wanted to ask and this is kind of like going way back is like I noticed like when I was reading it that it was kind of set during the 90s and I was just kind of curious what um what kind of inspired you to set this story in that time period
1: oh it's a total requirement for the rewind or die series is it oh yeah (laughs) yeah It's, uh, oh, it's yes. one of the one of the few things that Eddie asked for was that it um you know it was a call to uh to the time of blockbuster to when you could see those um really crazy uh cassette tape um you know title pages covers um and kind of choose a, a movie based on that.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. Now I'm kind of embarrassed that I even asked that because I've read so many. <laughs> Rewinder titles. You can cut it out.
1: We you can cut it out, Rich. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> no, it's okay. I'll uh I'll let people chuckle at me, but um <laughs> Um so yeah um Um with Ladies of the Fright Um I know you guys have recently kind of uh switched formats where now you kind of do like a conversation with your guests and then you also um you know discuss books and then you guys are also um gonna be republishing short stories and I was just curious you know, what kind of, uh, inspired you and Lisa to kind of switch formats to kind of do like a half interview and then like a half kind of like book discussion, which I love the new format, by the way, I've listened to, uh, two of them already.
1: I'm so sorry about my dog. I'm here staring at him which is quieter. I'm so, I'm so sorry. It's either going to be the toddler or the dog this time of night. So I'm so sorry. Um, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry here. I'm kind of covering him up a little bit. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think the reason why we switched the format um, was honestly just because we were kind of we were kind of tired of doing the um, same old same old interviews that we see um, that we that we kind of like. Uh, I'm so sorry. Do you mind if I start oh, over okay. really quick? Here, hang No, on. that's fine. <laughs> let yeah. me let me gather my thoughts. <laughs> um, okay. Um, honestly, I think that it's because we were really tired of doing just straight interview format um, wh- we we definitely meant to change it up. Actually, I think last year. Um, but then Lisa was pregnant and she kind of, you know, me mean, we both had a discussion of like, OK, exactly how much can we handle while Lisa's pregnant? There's a pandemic. Trump is still president. And, you know, and we have to, and we're, we're marching for shit that we care about. And, you know, there's just, there's a lot. And so exactly how much of the podcast do we want to change while the world is in turmoil for some good things and then for also some really horrible, bad things. And so we decided to do one more year of just interviews and interviews are, I'm being interviewed right now. They are so essential (laughs) to podcast, to radio shows, to whatever you have, um, And they're so they're so so important for networking too because that's how you meet everybody. It's how we're meeting. Um, But then when we started to develop close friendships um, on Twitter, when we started to develop close friendships through the podcast, um, we kind of decided, okay, like it is now time to officially revisit the revisit and find a new format. And so as soon as Lisa had her daughter Frankie, she kind of said, all right. Um, I'm ready. Like I'm mentally Mm -hmm. able to handle this now. And I said, perfect. And so we sat down together and we um, and we kind of thought about what would be the um, most beneficial to our viewers and what we enjoyed the most and missed. And both of us had really missed talking just about books, you know, just me and her. And that's really how we started was saying, okay, we're just going to discuss this book and we're going to go from beginning, middle and end. And that in itself also got kind of boring because it was just it was just us. And so we needed to kind of completely turn the format on its head where we still did the interviews and still gave authors their their due time. But then we also wanted to bring in a craft and we thought, okay, what if we all talked about a book? So, you know, now we're really thrilled to do this new format where we're offering authors were saying what book out of these selected few that we've that we've put together what do you want to discuss and so i i feel like the authors that we're having on are actually getting kind of jazzed about either bringing on a short story that they really like or talking about an author that they really admire
0: yeah yeah that is really a that is a cool um a cool idea and like i said i've listened to some of them Um, already and it's so cool because like you said they get excited about it because you know at the end of the day you know writers are readers too and they're fans of uh, books so it's kind of cool when you like let them kind of bring things in like that you know that they can get excited about I mean obviously they're excited about their own work but you know to kind of fan out for a minute you know rather than just be kind of like interviewed
1: yeah thank you um it definitely adds to a, a different conversation which i think at this point lisa and i both needed because i think now i think we're on our fourth year with the podcast and mm. so yeah we um we just wanted to change it up a little bit but we still are going to maintain um a couple of just straight interviews for people who've never been on the show before or people who haven't like quite met us yet and maybe don't know mm. us um so you know we're still keeping it around um but uh yeah it has been it's been really really great to shake it up and do something new and to kind of prove like that you know we uh it's ours you know it's our podcast we get to do what we want and we're and at the core of that we're trying very hard to do multiple things at once and to serve as many people as we can
0: yeah yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I've uh, I kept you here for a little bit, about an hour. Um, so I'll start um, winding things up with um, kind mm-hmm. of, uh, would, which is my habit of, you know, putting like 900 questions in the one. But this will just be two. Um, oh, you're uh, fine. If, if you want to kind of just um, maybe let readers know, you know, what you're working on, what you have coming up next, and maybe you know, we'll we'll say two or three books um, that you're either reading right now um, that you're enjoying or that you're looking forward to um, for the rest of 2021.
1: Sure, sure. Um, And again, I do apologize for my for my beast, for my dog in the background. I'm so sorry.
0: Um, Oh, no, it's so
1: loud. He's so loud. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Uh, Currently, I am working on like, oh, man, I'm working on a couple different things. Um, I'm working on a, I'm working on a review for, um, our website of Stephen Graham Jones's new book, uh, which is mm-hmm. my heart is a chainsaw. And it's always so difficult to write reviews for his books because you want to just be like, you know, this was really good. And then have the re- our, the review be done. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> so you're like, fuck, what else do I do? And so, you know, I'm, um, I'm del- trying to figure out a way to delve a little deeper into that. Um, and so that's sitting on my desktop needing to be done. Um, and, uh. And then, let's see, I've got a – I was originally working on a novella, another novella for um, for Eddie, but that took a turn. I think that it's actually going to end up being a novel, and I spent a couple of weeks really pouting about that because I, I don't really have the brain space for a full novel quite yet. Um, <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, my God, really? Really, this, this thing wants to be bigger? Um, so yeah, so I've pouted about that. Um, and I need to pick up, I need to pick the pen back up, so to speak, and kind of keep going on that. But as a distraction, I started something else that was a short story that I submitted to Max Booth his lost contact. And, um, I was in the, I, I was lucky enough to be one of the final people that Max rejected. And so I got it back and was like, I'm not really done with this story. And so I think I'm turning that into a novella, um, and, uh, hopefully submit it, uh, into Eddie for a rewind or die and hopefully he likes it. So that's currently what I'm working on, what I'm ticking away at each night. So, um, you know, just, I, I feel like I always have like maybe two or three things in the work, but, um. I think that's just how I, I'm always going to kind of manage my time. There's always going to be something so that if I don't want to work on, on a particular project, there's another one waiting for my attention. Um, and, oh, man, what was the other question? It was books I'm reading or looking forward to read?
0: Yeah, either one or, like, a mixture of both, maybe, like, uh, two or three of them.
1: Okay. Um, right now I'm reading Rebecca Roanhorse's uh, Black Sun, and oh, it's just... Yeah it's fantastic. (laughs) I love it so much. Um, it's, uh, it's really, really great. And let's see. Um, I'm also reading, I'm listening to Kathy Koja's, uh, The Cipher and it's the first time that I'm getting through The Cipher. And now that I'm reading it, I've been seeing people say like, oh, it's my favorite book. So Lisa and I are getting through all of the Summer Scares books. And this is actually one of the adult books that had been chosen for Summer Scares. And then let's see the other books. I'm looking forward to reading. I think we're going to start reading the YA books for um, mm-hmm. Summer Scares. And so I actually have The Undead Girl Gang, and that's by uh, Lily Anderson on my nightstand to start. And I'm really looking forward to it. It's cool. The uh, the cover has like a very like Clarissa explains it all kind of vibe. <laughs> so, I yeah, think it's going to be really fun, I think.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I haven't heard of that one. But yeah, I love the cipher. And I have um, Rebecca Roanhorse's Black Sun, but I haven't started it yet. So I'm glad to hear that um, you're enjoying it so far.
1: It's so good. It's so good. And I loved her um the first book Trail of Lightning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that was, I think, I don't believe and forgive me i might get this wrong i don't believe it was her debut but i think it was the first one that was picked up by i think it's the first saga house and so mm-hmm. i when i read that one my mind was blown and i immediately became a fangirl
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i i um i think i have both actually but as you know the tbr thing Um, definitely oh gonna God. get to them soon but <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's i've nuts. heard uh, yeah i've heard nothing but great things but um But, yeah, um, you know, I thank you so much uh, for coming on and hanging out with me, Mackenzie. It's been great. Um, You're welcome back anytime. Um, I'm not sure, but I think uh, we have um, talked to you guys or Shane has about um, an episode in the future that I don't want to spoil just yet. Um, But, uh, yeah, it was great having you on. You're welcome back anytime. Thanks for hanging out.
1: Thank you so much. This has been such an honor and, uh, as always, so much fun. Thank you.
0: Is somebody going to hang the fucking thing? <laughs> <laughs>